0: This digital marketer. Today, we have Gabby Bernstein and Lindsay Marder. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely. And today is double exciting because I was joined by two amazing guests. The first, you've probably definitely... Most certainly heard this name, Gabby Bernstein. She's a number one New York Times bestselling author, an international speaker, and a self described spirit junkie. Her book, Super Attractor, just came out. She has amassed a huge following. She has close to 700,000 followers on Instagram alone, 178,000 on YouTube, and 506,000 followers on Facebook. So, yeah, she kind of knows what she's doing. We're also joined by someone. You might know Lindsay Martyr. She helped build the digital marketer content strategy from the ground up and is now Gabby's chief marketing officer. In this episode, Gabby lays out how you can be a super attractor with your marketing strategy. And Lindsay gives us insight into how they apply this abundance mindset into actual business practices. Uh, buckle up. This episode gets a little deep. Whether you're spiritual or not, I think you're going to get something out of it. I really hope you enjoy it. Here it is. Gabby and Lindsay, hello. Welcome. Hey, hey,
1: how you doing?
0: I'm great. I'm so excited to have you both here. Super yeah. excited to be
1: here. Yes.
0: This is cool. <laughs> it's all online, which is almost like magic. Totally. And Gabby, magic. I want to kind of start a little bit with that. Magic, manifestation, abundance mindset. When it comes to marketing strategies, I feel like a lot of marketing is fear-based, but you're more of an abundance mindset kind of person. How does that play into your marketing strategy?
1: Well, I'll be really frank with you. Fear-based marketing doesn't work. Hmm. A full stop, period. Doesn't work. Because maybe you can have some seeming successes or there can be some sales that come through, but it will never resonate at the level that it needs to. It will never have the impact that it really should or can have. My motto is, I don't sell, I share. Hmm. So whenever it's fear-based, it's backed with ego, it's backed with a feeling of unworthiness, it's backed with a need to be seen. People can feel that all throughout the world. They can feel it through their computer screen, they can feel it through their iPhone. It's so felt. And I think everyone listening knows the difference, knows the difference between, I am buying what you're selling because it feels really good to feel your energy behind it, versus I am so turned off by that person because it feels so inauthentic or that company or the message is just being pushed in my in my face. So whenever fear is involved, there will be a very pushy energy. So when we, if we want to truly manifest a marketing message that will have an impact, we have to make sure that we are aligned with what we are putting out and that we're putting it out from an energy that feels really good. Now, I don't think a lot of marketers take in the concept of what is my energy like when i'm putting this out i doubt it
2: right i think what i've seen a lot of marketers do is they do the work of getting to know their customer but they think of it as customer avatar and there's nothing wrong with that but they really get to know who they're selling to and not the emotion behind it they think of taking them from point a to a point b a starting result and an end result But they're so focused on communicating that, that I've not seen a lot of companies really worry about the energy they're putting behind something. And you see that a lot, I think, in launches and in flash sales and all that stuff. They're great marketing Mm -hmm. tools, but you feel that frantic energy behind it. And it's more so to me comes across as a fear of, I'm not going to get my product in their cart rather than I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to change their life.
1: That's right. And you know, Lindsay makes a really good point. It's like, you can use all the tools in the book, but if the vibe behind it isn't, isn't positive or isn't, is needy or controlling it will be felt. I, I it's just it's the law. It's it's just what happens. And so I challenge the marketers listening to really think about the launches that they may have had where they were feeling from my language aligned or connected or inspired or just like, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm just having fun. And how what is the success of that versus the times where they're like, I gotta make it happen. I gotta force it to happen. I gotta get this done. I gotta hit these numbers that doesn't work. It just doesn't work when we're not connected to how can I serve? Who are the souls that are going to receive this message and going to get something impactful out of it, no matter what it is. And, and more importantly, yes, that's number one, but number two is how do I feel when I'm sharing this? Hmm. This is, you know, taking marketing and turning it upside down in its head, but it's important because yeah, all the tools work, you know, we've brought Lindsay onto our team very recently as our CMO and Lindsay, you know, having had experience at DM and, and her experience as an entrepreneur, she's extremely tuned in with what works, what doesn't work and and all of it. But we couldn't do the tools and methods that she's sharing with us if we weren't fully in joy and excitement and enthusiasm and inspiration behind what it is that we're sharing. It wouldn't work. Yeah.
2: That's it so wouldn't work. Yeah. And I think, Gabby, your story, how you have grown this company has just been a force of nature, but I love that you've grown it for so long by being aligned. Like it has not been about what crafty strategy or what latest marketing gimmick or trend can I follow? You have constantly grown by asking who am I serving and what do they need right now?
1: Yeah. And let me give you guys a little background. So I started my career as a spiritual teacher after being a publicist owning my own PR company for five years. So, I, And I had no background in PR. I just taught myself how to pitch. And, and I was really good at selling things I believed in at the time when I was doing PR. I was representing nightclubs which is what I believed in at the time. (laughs) Then I got sober at 25 and in my sobriety, I started to get really connected to my spiritual faith and began to teach that very quickly to this next generation of seekers. And it was really at the forefront of what is now known as the wellness movement. But I can really confidently say that I was really at the beginning of that zeitgeist. So now here I was carrying the spiritual message, but I had this gift of loving marketing and loving sharing messages. You know, it was like, I used to promote parties when I was 18 and I would be sitting in my apartment all night long, like, you know, collecting emails and sending BCCs and like, you know, this is before Evite or anything. (laughs) Like, just, you know, say Gabby at the door, right? So I had that sales mentality behind me forever, but it was always just share, share, share. So I loved it so much that I was able to, Land myself, some of the most sought after media placements early in my career, or even before my first book came out, you know, covers of the New York Times Sunday Style section, Super Soul Sessions with Oprah. These are placements that I believe God was my publicist. And that's going to be really jarring and alarming for everyone listening. But uh, I did a course called God is my publicist. It was really all about how do we manifest media for a message.
0: I love that. You know, when we talk about kind of the practical aspect. A lot of the alignment comes from the empathy that you have for the people that you are helping to transform, right? So if we look at empathy in a, in a practical way, what are those steps someone can take? You know, we're all busy. We're all like, we need money to keep the lights on and stuff like that. So when we're, you know, going to these meetings and we're pitching like these new angles for products, how do you keep empathy top of mind and these kind of like Busy, crazy times? My career was built out
1: of service. A really deep desire to serve souls, to serve people on their spiritual path, or even if they didn't recognize that they were open to a spiritual path, my intention was to help crack people open to it. I have always allowed that to be the through line behind whatever it is that I'm doing, to be really forthcoming. There have been a handful of times in my career where that might've been you know, different. Maybe I was in my ego, maybe I was blocked. Maybe there was something up for me, but a handful of times in 15 years. So I I really have to say that the key to all of the successes I've had in my career is that I've let inspiration, faith, and love back everything I do. And that we do, I'm going to say, because I have a team of people that work with me that carry the message with me. So, you know, I think that Empathy is an interesting word. I think we have to be careful with that word because sometimes Mm -hmm. if we fall into this energy of empathetic, we may take on the struggles of others. And so we want to be compassionate, but we don't want to feel as though we have to save people, even if it's from a marketing standpoint. We're all here to tell a story and those who need it will hopefully follow our guidance, but we're not here to save them.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just letting that sink in. (laughs) Because, yeah, there, there is like, you know, a level of boundaries that as any kind of founder, business owner, marketer that you have to have because when someone is being transformed, there's a journey. Do you agree with that? That it's like a journey that you're along for the ride? And it's not just point A, point B. Oh, now they have my product and they're different. They still have to use the product and get guidance in that. There's a lot of engagement that comes from that. How do you keep the boundaries alive while you're guiding them?
1: Well, I think that it's intentional. If I felt like I had to save everybody, I would never, I would be dead. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, I have the privilege of being a motivational speaker so I can get up on stages in front of thousands of people and hear their stories. If I let their stories imprint on me, I wouldn't be able to get off the stage. I'd be like, you know, crawling off the stage. So Mm -hmm. I have to be be creating those internal boundaries of I don't take home with me your stuff. I have to do my own energetic clearing. Even when I post things on social media, there's, we're all dealing with this now of feeling imprinted upon, right? So we post something and there's negative feedback. And even if it's a company, but you work for the company, you may feel the energy of people, you know, pushing back or judging you like that whole Peloton thing, like come the Mm. on. That was (laughs) like, that Like our president, I'm not sorry. I'm not getting political, but our president is like a criminal and we're worried about the Peloton ad. Like (laughs) that was so fine in my opinion. Okay. But like, (laughs) that's where we're at. It's like people just want to be angry. So you have to Mm. be really careful about what you're going to take on energetically. So just being the intention of I'm here to serve, I'm here to do my part. I'm here to be compassionate when I create my messaging. I'm not going to be in a judgmental place when I'm creating my messaging I'm going to do it from a place of consciousness, but that I'm not so empathetic that I take on other people's stuff that I'm reading the, that I'm reading all of the comments and I'm losing my mind over it. You know, it's just, we can't do that. We can't, we can't do it.
0: Yeah. Lindsay, what does that look like when it comes to your role as the CMO? I think Gabby
2: is phenomenal. One of the reasons I wanted to join her team because I gave up clients. Like I was willing to go from entrepreneur to entrepreneur in Gabby's team because I align so heavily with the way she's grown her business and with the way she runs her company. It is very compassionate based. It is very, who do we serve? It is very, are we pushing this too much? Is this too salesy? And for me, it's actually fun again, because <laughs> my role gets to be how to sell this in a way that, Really speaks to the customer and speaks to the audience in a genuine way. That it really does. It, it takes the customer journey to a whole new level for me. That it really is. It's a conversation. It's them being able to go where they want to go and us meet them where they are and them wanting to come along rather than us taking them along. Right. And so I really, really enjoy this kind of marketing and especially, I mean. I have no problem saying this, that I think there is a ton of ego in marketing. And what Gabby was saying that sometimes, you know, whether she was driven from her ego or fear or anything like that, having to take that out, I don't see that anymore in any of Gabby's marketing. Even before I joined the team, it is not ego-based marketing. And that is what spoke to me in such a way that it's coming from compassion, coming from who do I serve and not coming from your ego, that it's about, We're gonna love these results, whatever they are. We're gonna do our best to help people and the results that come are the results that come and we'll figure it out from there. But I do think that I'm glad Gabby brought up the Peloton ad because we're in such a time where people are so hypersensitive right now to marketing messages. Everything offends them when really the Peloton ad was Peloton makes ad for target market. Rest of the internet freaks out. (laughs) Exactly. Y'all weren't their target market. The people who were their target market, they are riding their bikes in front of a floor to ceiling glass window in front of a mountain. They are super grateful. Like they are taking selfies of themselves. Exactly. There are people who bought from that ad. So I see so many companies, especially with the audience digital marketers serves, the customers, small, medium-sized businesses. How can you not be afraid in your marketing? How can you be? I don't see how people could not be afraid to get creative when any wrong step could make you go viral for the wrong reason. I just think in marketing right now, there's such a fine, scary line between intention and impact.
1: Yes. Yes. Mm. Yes. So I wrote this book called Super Attractor. It's my most recent book. And I share this method in the book called the spiritually aligned action method that really does apply to marketing, even though I'm going to have to demystify it for the marketers out there. Okay. Yeah. Cause I write books for, for people on a spiritual path, but you know what marketers are also into person, many marketers are into personal growth and, you know, biohacking and all that stuff. So like, you know, let's, let's meet it from a different angle here. So uh, I'm definitely interested in being inspired. So let's call it that the spiritually aligned action method really begins with making sure that your desire is backed with service, right? And inspiration. Uh, in my language, I would say love and service, but for the marketers, let's call it inspiration and service. So whatever it is that you're about to launch, making sure that whatever it is that you're sharing is backed with that inspiration and service. Okay. Period. Right. How am I going to serve thinking very closely? What are they going to receive from this? The second step is having faith that it's good right? Like having faith that the content's good, having faith that, that it will be well-received, having faith. In my case, I would say having faith that when it's launched from inspiration, that it will be taken care of, it will be well-received, right? So that's two steps. The third step is to take action. So launch that campaign, put up that post, run that ad, take the action from that place of spiritual alignment. So making sure that you're backed with that belief system of inspiration, faith, and service before you take any kind of action, because if you're taking any action, you got to check yourself and your energy. If you're taking any action from a place of, you know, I need to get this so that I can make that money so that I can feel good enough, or I need to prove that I've, you know, had the biggest launch in my mastermind or whatever, right? Like that energy is going to blow up in your face. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you're back in your, you know, you've humbled your ego and you're back in your higher self and you're like, okay, I love this product. I'm super inspired by what it's going to give to people. I have faith that it's going to be hooked up because I'm inspired that the energy I'm going to take action from. If you're not in that place, go work it out and come back before you run that ad. So you have to trust that this is quantum physics. There's energy behind the ads. The energy is going to have gonna be in every print of every book. It's gonna be in every email. So then taking that action. And then the fourth step is to be patient because you know sometimes you don't see the results right away. But if you start forcing and controlling and trying to like push, 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 that's when people start feeling really assaulted by your marketing. So that patient step is crucial. Yeah, of course, if something isn't working, you know, be nimble and fix it. But you want to be patient when you're making those changes. You don't want to be forcing something to happen. And so I think that that method, the spiritual aligned action method, I actually wrote that chapter in Super Attractor for the spiritual entrepreneur. But I think any entrepreneur, any marketer can really take that in and check for themselves. What's the energy behind this action and intention?
2: Yeah, I don't hear that message a lot when people are being taught how to do marketing is to, I love that Gabby said, be patient because Mm -hmm. we're usually so focused on results, getting something out the door. Is it performing? I think we, as marketers, we make the mistake of always having our mind on the next step rather than really just being where we are. And I think that our customers feel that. Yes. And so, I mean, we feel it with follow-up emails. We know something's you enter someone's funnel, you buy something, you know, you're about to be upsold. Like you don't want your customers to feel that it's supposed to feel very natural. And so I think patience
0: is something that
2: would do a lot of businesses really well.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it reminds me of the concept of, I don't know who said it, but it's like your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions your actions become who you are. I probably mm-hmm. totally butchered that. Maybe I'll re-record it and make it perfect later. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it reminds me, you know, of that simple idea that it's such a, a part of being a human, but you don't think about how you being a human translates into you being an entrepreneur or marketer, but you're the same person and you're having those same ideas and relating them to also people who Or having a problem that you're hoping to solve. Yeah, it's like the the most simple thing, but it's huge.
1: Yeah, to break it down, it's kind of like the thoughts are just beliefs, right? So the more you think a thought, the more it becomes a belief. And when it's a belief, it has an energy behind it. And that energy is going to come through the way you act however you act, whether it's through an email or through an interview or through giving a talk on stage. You know, I think I have a very shameful story to share with you guys. That well, that here's the skeletons in my closet. There we go. <laughs> um, I'm closet casting everyone. So we joke that I'm going to have a <laughs> So as I mentioned, I just launched my seventh book, Super Attractor, about uh, a few months ago. Uh, and uh, the book I launched prior to Super Attractor was called Judgment Detox it's probably my most important book, but it's a difficult book for people to show up for because people don't always want to deal with their judgment. Mm, yeah. Nonetheless, when I launched that book, I had one major intention and that was to be to, you know, my previous book before it was a number one New York Times bestseller and stayed on the list for a long time. And so I was like, okay, I want this to be number one. We got to have multiple number one New York Times bestsellers. And so I was not aligned with my spiritual alignment. I'm always in love and service. And I definitely cared about the book and I knew that the book was going to serve people, but my intention and energy was focused on. The numbers. And this was kind of a first for me that it got this out of hand. Okay. So I was super focused on selling 40,000 books in the first week. And, you know, we had a very successful pre launch. We were coming in, you know, at like 25,000 pre orders. And then we did an excellent launch campaign. And the first week of sales came in at 40,000, maybe more. And print was through the roof. And I'm out selling my seventh book, which is now Super Attractor. I'm out with my agent selling the book. Um, you know, I'm sitting in meetings with like all the big publishers and they're like, we are very intimidated by your sales numbers, you know? <laughs> and so it's like you know, everything you want to hear, right? And so then I remember like the last meeting of the day and like in an hour, I was going to find out about the list. And so I went into the bathroom and I was peeing and I was like, I'm praying that whatever... I was like, maybe I'll be number two, maybe it'll be number one. Look at that language. Maybe I will be number two or number one. Like, that's pretty sick. And so then I'm like, but whatever, I'll pray for what's of the highest good for all. I give it over, right? So I leave the meeting. I'm walking to dinner with my agents and we're going to meet my publisher for dinner because we're going to celebrate, right? It's like, you know, we're going to be number one. And so I look over at my agent and he's holding his phone and he's like, I don't understand. I, I just, I don't understand. He's like, this has to be from last week. I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't understand. And I'm looking and I'm like, what, what, Scott, what, what's wrong? And he's like, I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. He's like, the book's not on the list." Like, it's just not there, okay? So I'm losing my mind. The head of Simon & Schuster, the CEO of Simon & Schuster calls us and she's like, I'm calling the New York Times right now. I've got to find out what's going on here. These numbers are reflecting the number one spot, blah, blah, blah. She freaks out. Everyone's freaking out. And ultimately what ended up happening was like, you know, there were 30,000 books sold and maybe like and thirty five thousand books, so maybe five thousand of them they didn't like because they were, you know, too many on Amazon or who knows what the hell it was. But it wasn't an issue that I had. It was that my ego blocked that from happening. I, I promise you. Like I say this energetically. So this was just, just like a huge spiritual assignment for me, Gabby. Why are you launching these books? Are you launching these books, you know, with the intention to serve souls, or are you launching these books to get on, on a list? And so I was so you know months later i was grateful for that situation because i was able to see how my energy and my intentions interfered with the outcome so this next time around you know there's there's something really powerful when you're marketing and you give up your outcome so i just said you know i want my my highest outcome to be to serve souls for super attractor I don't care about a list. I'm not gonna try to campaign for a list. I'm not trying to make books count for a list. I'm not trying to do anything that's gonna have any, you know, impact on the New York Times list. I'm just gonna sell books and I'm have a good time. And of course the book was on the list for months and, you know, it has had more success than any of my books ever and will continue to one number one because it's a killer book, but number two, because the energy and intention behind it is to serve souls. Mm. And so it was a lot more fun. It was the most fun I've ever had launching a book. It was the most ease. It was the most you know joyful events. Like just it's, it's you know there's a ripple effect, and it's just because my energy was shifted. So I know that a lot of people are out there being wah, wah. you know she keeps talking about energy, but I just want you guys to try it out or really think back to those launches where you were just like let's see what happens here, let's see what happens.
0: I mean, it's definitely a challenge. It's- going to be a challenge for some people and for others, they're like, this is exactly what I needed to hear. I'd love to know just in your perspective, Lindsay, when it comes to, you know, obviously there's a business side, you know, on the CMO for you as the CMO. And what do KPIs and metrics and things like that look like when there's a, a business side that has to run, but at the same time, you're still trying to keep an abundance mindset?
2: They're the same. I think the KPIs are the same. We're still pulling the same numbers. A business, it's still Gabby's business is still very data driven. We just remain very agile. And it's about if something didn't resonate, you know, Gabby's the first one to send a screenshot to the team and say, This didn't hit with people. Let's try something different for the next time. But we're still looking at the same ad metrics as everyone else, the same email metrics. We're always trying to improve those things. It's just for us, not a matter of success and failure. It's Mm -hmm. a matter of how can we make this better next time? How can we use a subject line that speaks to them better? Not how can we make a subject line that drives an open or drives a click? It's, How do we speak to them so that we can lead them to the things that we know will really help them? But it's all the same. It's very much, we're very focused on growth. This upcoming year, we're focused on growth, but one of the conversations Gabby and I were having on a call a few weeks ago, when we were talking about metrics and social, Gabby has a huge presence on all social platforms and over a million followers, and we still wanna grow that. And so when we thought about do we want to set a number for what we grow? How much do we want to grow it by? We kind of walk that back and said, let's just teach more. Hmm. And that was the metric. And that is the KPI. Are we teaching more? Are we sharing more? You know, Gabby, she was told this by someone that she's a teacher, not an influencer. And we all really, really loved that because it's so true. It's this is still a business. It's not a lifestyle company kind of thing. It's right. the goal really is to teach. And so when we look at ads, you know, me coming on, I have plenty of experience copywriting. I can write like Ryan Dice all day, <laughs> but writing as Gabby Bernstein is different. So when I'm writing copy for ads, you know, Gabby's is like, I would not say that. And right, 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 right. right. <laughs> I had to remove swipe this, steal this oh. from, <laughs> from my vocabulary. And it's been great because it's every time Gabby has worked with me on any mails that I'm writing, any copy, any ads, it's been so much take the sales out of it. Let's mm-hmm. just teach, let's just share. Gabby has grown her company and her marketing is very story based. And I know DM teaches that a lot, but story-based marketing really, I've always known that it works, but watching Gabby do it over the years and now being a part of it, it's just kind of solidified it with me that it's still about growth, but it's really, really about teaching.
1: Yeah, we can call it teacher-based marketing. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and the thing that's really fun for me is, you know, I'll get on with Lindsay and then our editorial director, Katie, and we'll just riff and And these guys can interview me and ask me questions. And, and sometimes I'll just, you know, I have to control the screen. This is the thing I have to do. <laughs> so I'm very much more involved than most people. But now that Lindsay's here, I'm far less involved than I've ever been. But I love, <laughs> but I still love marketing. I think that there's a place, I think there's no place where marketing and spirituality don't intersect it's like if you have an empowering message it's your responsibility to share it with the world so you have it's your responsibility to figure out how to market it there's a massive intersection there And so, you know, we see so many people in our world that are beautiful teachers and writing beautiful books, but they just can't sell a book for their life because they're too ashamed or feeling unworthy or they don't, they think they're bad at marketing. And, and of course, you know, this is when you hire a company or whatever, but it also really has to come from the individual. If it's your work, it needs to be in your voice. It needs to be your story and you have to really be focused and care about it. You can't start, you know, just giving it over completely.
0: Mm. It kind of makes me think of, you know, we'll get a lot of questions about like, oh, that's great for, you know, whatever you're selling, but I sell blank. It's so boring. And I think what I'm hearing is a total solution to that, which is believe in what you are doing and the transformation it has for people. Because even if you're selling kitchen cabinets, you're selling like a somebody needs a kitchen cabinet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kitchen makes someone feel amazing, right? You know, I... um, Yeah, you're selling special moments together. You're selling
2: cooking meals together. You're you're selling memories that you're going to make with your family in that kitchen for holidays and years to come. Like, those cabinets hold dishes which hold memories. It's not just pieces of wood slapped together.
1: In my house, those cabinets are a vehicle for my child's well-being. He loves doors. I have a one-year-old. And he— and you give the kid a door. He's a doorman. You give him a door and he's any kind of cabinet. He, you know, entertained for days, days. He's a, he's a cat. He's a, he's a doorman. So listen, you know, one of my marketing mentors and close friends is Derek Halpern. And I just think, you know, one of the greatest things that Derek has taught me is that you can sell anything. You have to just get to be, you know, really, really speaking in the head of the person that needs. Needs it, You know, he gives examples of like selling like sprinklers and you know what I mean? But it's like, you know, sick of watering the plants, like whatever it is, you just got to talk directly, but not, I don't know. There's so many examples we all know that are products that, that maybe you only need once a year, or there's a really specific set, but you could have a very abundant business selling that specific set for the rest of your life. And listen, we're not trying to market to the masses. We're trying to market to the willing. You know, we have a spiritual message. I don't write books for people who are unwilling to open up in that way. That would just be an uphill battle. I'm writing books for people who are ready to change, ready to show up. So you know how to speak to them. You know, one of the big things that happened before Lindsay showed up, this about a year and a half ago, we're looking at our marketing. And for a while, I was trying to speak to everybody for a minute, you know, it's a big disaster. It's like, everybody needs self-help and spirituality. Like, I gotta get to everybody. And that was just sort of difficult, obviously. It's difficult to write that copy. It's difficult to make that sales page. And it was when I really decided, no, 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 we are speaking to spiritual people, period. And we can say that and we can use their language and we can say manifest and abundant and and we can use like, you know, Derek was even like, what are the words they use? I'm like, alignment, you know, like <laughs> spirit, universe has your back. But why would we speak any other way? There's plenty of people out there in the world that are ready to be opening up to their spiritual connection. And anytime I've tried to detour, try to be more for the masses, it just feels very uncomfortable. It doesn't mean I can't translate what I'm saying, but I'm not trying to push it on people that don't want it.
0: Yeah. I think just even this interview is a great example. Like, you know, when you're asking someone, if I want to attract the right kind of people, well, you're using the exact right words to attract the exact right people. Like regardless of whether this platform, you know, the digital marketer audience is filled with 100% of Your customers, that might not be true and it might repel some, but there's the ones that will stick and the ones that will find you will be attracted to your language. So it's interesting how the intention of it is. I mean, it's so purposeful.
1: Well, we just have some other avatars that we speak to that may not be. They may be like the new to Gabby person, right? Mm-hmm. So we may not use that same exact language, but but we would still be speaking very authentically. Like there's, there are other ways to say the same thing, but and have the same impact. Just adjusting the language, you know. I'm I, I speak at a lot of corporations. I speak at women's conferences, and I'm not going to get up there and say the word God, but I'm going to talk about inspiration, mm-hmm. right?
2: And there's been so many people, especially for me seeing this, um, as Super Attractor has come out, that Gabby's been doing a ton of press for this book. And she's been doing lots of podcasts. She went on a book tour. She spoke with a lot of people. She made tons of new friends. And when she's been on these shows, she meets them where they are. She uses the language that they're using. And it's been really interesting to see new customers come in, customers that are so vocal and excited to be here and join the community. And they introduce themselves, which is amazing engagement for a community. And they'll say, I found Gabby listening to so-and-so's podcast. And I was really excited. And I don't know how I'd never heard of her yet because she was talking about X, Y, Z. And so it's really fun to see how you can go on someone's podcast who has a totally different market than who you're selling to, but you know, your work will serve them. And when you meet them where they are and use the language they're using, it rings a bell for them. It's really the difference between saying God and inspiration. Someone who's listening to a business podcast is like, I love inspiration. I need inspiration, (laughs) but God, not so much. And then they'll continue and like it's really cool about being able to speak to people where they are rather than trying to force everyone into your style of
1: marketing. To echo what Lindsay's saying, I think that we have to recognize that the most valuable tool, I suppose, or I don't even, it's not a tool, it's just an essence that we could bring to the table as marketers and entrepreneurs and is authenticity, period. Being yourself is what resonates, even if the language is a little off. I've given my super attractor talk several times now because I've been on a tour. My husband and I went out to Toronto last week and I gave the talk to, so Zach seen me give the talk, you know, countless times into in front of big audiences of my crew, right? My people. Spiritual folks, uh, self proclaimed spirit junkies. But then last week in Toronto, I gave the talk in front of a mastermind, like a 200 person. It's kind of like a mastermind. Yeah, it was like more of a businessy crowd. You know, people that are interested in, and awakened to these conversations, but not, they weren't really there for that. And not only did I change the lexicon a little bit, but I shifted my energy. I got into like Gabby more masculine mode because I am Mm -hmm. a bit masculine at times. And I got into the energy of like, you know, really grounding and like, what are you here to do? How are you going to bring forth what's within you? Right. You know, and it's a little less like, let's, you know, listen to a mantra and meditate so we can feel that feeling. Let's rev up to feel that feeling. And so we are all as marketers and and speakers and, and uh, podcasters and entrepreneurs, we are energetic instruments and we have to learn to tune that instrument in whatever arena we have been gifted. So, you know, you don't have to speak to your non-converted people, but there'll be times when you have these opportunities where people could be your demographic and you don't even realize it.
0: Yeah. It kind of like those 1000 true fans that you mentioned. Could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Well, you know, I think that when we identify that we can have, let's say, a thousand true fans and we can have a really successful business on those thousand true fans, that's the core adopter. That's the person. Now, I remember early on in my career, I said to my mentor, you know, my mentor is an African American woman. I said, you know, Ra, I feel like my crowd's just like a bunch of white chicks that like look and talk like me, you know, and they're wearing my clothes. And she's like, good. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, this is your core adopter. You've built this demographic that's completely in resonance with you and they look like you and talk like you and then they're going to tell their gay best friend and they're going to tell their mother-in-law and they're going to tell and and that's ultimately what's happened you know my mm-hmm. our, our audiences are so we were blown away at our last workshop how multicultural and and less age specific we'd women in their 70s in our room you oh. know it was rad it was really rad and people from all over the world and so that's you know 15 years of putting out a, an authentic message and then you start to attract more and more people because the messages become universal.
0: Lindsay, were you going to add something? You were very excited about it. (laughs) No, it was because really like when I'm thinking back to when we were
2: in the room and it was just amazing. These, this was such an engaged audience. They wanted to share why they were there. They wanted to share what they wanted to get out of it. And they came from everywhere, everywhere, all over the world. You know, it was to spend a week with Gabby and so many people got on planes, trains, Buses, just all sides of this country, so many people from the Netherlands, from France, like everywhere. And it was really, really amazing. And some of them brought the books with them in different languages. And that was, it was so cool to see. And, you know, you're used to some of that. And I'm used to some of that at like TNC. People come from all over to learn. And it really is that beautiful thing where you see your message grow. And it really comes back to patience and faith in what you're selling and believing in it and making sure that you're in service. I think the other thing about what Gabby was saying about how things have grown is that you can't pay for word of mouth. And that's something I see that what Gabby has done by focusing on her audience, by figuring out who her core fans are, speaking to them, opening their minds if you keep serving that one audience doesn't matter if it's 100 people or 1000 people they they know people like them we like to hang out with people who are mirrors of ourselves who have, we think have things in common and that's how messages spread it doesn't have to be through an ad campaign or a lookalike audience. Like it can be a very organic marketing still exists. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, you know, to echo that too, Lindsay, like one of the things that I've been doing year after year with my book launches is when people show up to my live events, they get <clears throat> multiple copies of the book as part of their ticket. In some cases they could get up to four books. And those books are bought from my publisher at the best discount I can get. They're not thrown through, you know, retailers or trying to campaign for the Times. The primary intention of those books is that somebody comes into the room, they're deeply lit up, they've read the book, they're inspired by the talk, that they now have three other books in their hands to go give away. You know, so we've, you know, Mm -hmm. we can, you know, share the book with 20,000 new people over that month that otherwise may not have bought it, but this person that, that we've turned our core adopters into our influencers. And that happens so beautifully when you just literally just give them the book and say, thank you, share the message.
2: And one of the things I was telling Gabby the other day on the phone is, I've now bought six copies of this book. I'm gonna
1: send her a Stop buying books.
2: I've purchased this book six times now, and I got one copy for me, one copy for my boyfriend because he now carries it in his backpack. Aww. And I've now. Given- I know it's so cool. and <laughs> I've now given out the other four just, and these are people who have said, oh, this is who you're working with now. And I'm like, yes, but read it anyway. So yeah. I wouldn't be giving it to you if I didn't believe in it. This is how it spreads is just giving books out. When you can find a message that you really, really like, and you know, can help, it doesn't matter if they're a marketer, an accountant, a lawyer, like it doesn't matter what you do. It's about, can this help somebody? That's right.
1: Hmm. But stop buying books, Lindsay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I want to switch directions in like the smallest way and just switch a perspective real quick. And we're talking right now about our audience and all that stuff. But I want to talk about the team because what Lindsay just said is something I don't think a lot of people could say about their employees. So how do you find and hire? What does that interview process look like? For these super inspired, all in, but genius people. How do you find them? Genius. They're geniuses. They really are. Genius, yeah.
1: Lindsay's a genius. Oh my God. We love Lindsay so much. We love her so much. You know, Lindsay, you can speak that too, but I, I would say that. We've super attracted excellent people. and I'm not saying that as a joke. I'm totally serious. I think that part of it is clarity. You know, we've worked with an excellent woman named Annie Pratt, who really helped us get our sort of HR leadership training together and... Then Annie helped us write some of our job descriptions for folks. So writing a really clear job description. So you're part of the manifesting process is actually being clear about what you're attracting, you know, and being what's my non-negotiables, what can I live without, right? Being super crystal clear. And then also the kind of getting connected to like how do I want to feel when I hire that person. I know that's not what most people think about, but I do. Mm. I thought about it a lot actually when it particularly when it came to the CMO position that I've been hoping to see Project for 15 years and now she's here. And then I think, you know, in the case, the folks that, that we've had so much, the most longevity with have come through by accident or have come because they, you know, one of them was my publicist in the UK, our COO was my publicist for five years in the UK. And then when she left the publishing house, no longer was my publicist, I said, can we work together? So you know, that's one powerful example. Lindsay was a consultant for us and kind of showed up right on time. And you can share that story, Lindsay. One of our team members has been with me. She was a volunteer in my rooms when I was in like Hari Krishna centers and like doing live stream from a laptop. Now she's our CTO, you know? <laughs> so it's like, it's just, we're, we're, we're growing with the people who have invested their time and a new customer care person that we brought on for a senior customer care role is somebody who's been literally back in the day, t- 15 years ago when I was leading my own talk, she was in the room setting up the chairs. Wow. Just out of service. Right. And we just, you know, gave her a really big job last week. So here we go.
2: Yeah. It's been amazing with Gabby's team. I started consulting with them in March of 2018 and I knew immediately that this was a team I wanted to work with forever. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what kind of Basis it would be on. I was just starting with my own clients. I had just left Digital Marketer a few months earlier, but I felt so aligned with her team being in the room with them. And it went on for a really long time. And then I was actually getting offers from clients to join their team permanently. And I kept saying no because it didn't feel right. And I just kind of felt like. I have been like a lot of people go through this kind of mental gymnastics of what's next for me? What do I do? Mm -hmm. This something's not aligned here for me. And I think I felt like the offers coming in from people was the universe's way of nudging me into taking some sort of action. And I thought the most aligned I have felt with marketing and a product and a mission in the last two years is when I've worked with Gabby's team. So I emailed her and I said, I think I'm working with you guys at the greatest capacity that you need me. But do you have any friends that could use my services? Because I feel super aligned with you. And I'm assuming that I might feel the same way if I work with your friends.
1: And, <laughs> AKA, she, <laughs> <don't leave it. laughs>
2: and she wrote back and said, I have work for you. And she said, there's always more work. And, uh-huh. and we got on the phone and, it went very quick. It, it, went,
1: it went speed. Yeah, we dated for like five minutes and then we got married. It went Mary.
2: speed of Gabby. <laughs> yeah, it went with speed of Gabby, where we were starting out with one project. And Gabby said, let's talk about bringing you on at the end of January. And then at the beginning of October, she said, I want to talk about bringing you on before the end of the year. And then a couple of days later, she called and said... I want a job description done by the end of October. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I
1: started officially on November 1st. That's amazing. On my birthday, all that Aww. way. Yes. 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 yes, on your and, birthday. And you know, it's, it's not, it's no coincidence either. Cause I sat with Lindsay two years earlier. Was it Lindsay? We were in my house doing a marketing session with Lindsay and Molly and I looked at her and I said, we need somebody like Lindsay and our team. I mean, I don't know if you remember me saying this, babe, but I said it like I was ready to go. I was ready to go ready. <laughs> so, you know, listen, I think everything happens in the right timing. I, I also do feel that the, and the people that come and work with us never leave. I mean, they can, of course, I don't, I'm not locked in the closet. They're not
0: locked in that closet. No, they're not in the closet.
1: <laughs> but they, they have a shared mission and intention. And that's why it works. We also you know, have a company motto, which is help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. So who's ever shown up for this team be, has to be ready to have a lot of fun and help a lot of people. It is. It's amazing how brilliant and
2: also connected this team really is. One of the first calls that I was doing with uh, Gabby's editorial director when I first started, We got on and we were talking about aura photos. (laughs) We're we're discussing it. And then the CTO jumps on, as Gabby was saying, Alison jumps on and goes, what are you guys talking about? And I said, aura photos. And she goes, yeah, that sounds about right for this team. Okay. <laughs> she said, "Welcome," and, and then we and then we start discussing the ins and outs of Infusionsoft, and so it's <laughs> such it's such a fit. It's such a fit, and I think that that has what has it, it's been such a crucial thing for Gabby's company growing is it's just hire when it feels right. You know, when you really need it, start looking. When someone connects with you. Date them for five minutes, and then get married. <laughs> but, no, really, just like make sure they're it's a good fit. And I feel like Gabs, you've really done this by your gut of knowing when someone is right.
1: I've made mistakes too, and I think it's important, you know, to sometimes I've moved too fast so much so that my my husband is the CEO and Jessica is our COO have actually had to leave me out of uh, interview processes because I've I've <laughs> gone too fast and I want to just like you know hire people tomorrow, but. But when you do find somebody like a Lindsay, when you find your Lindsay, don't let her go, right? So you want to you want to make sure you take care of that relationship, nurture it, and don't mess around because it's, it's those, those people that become... I said to Lindsay this morning, I said, you know, I've been wishing and praying and, and hoping to super attract my marketing partner. And that's who you are. And it's, it feels really, really excellent to have been able to finally take a step back. and And their intention, my team's intention is to I changed my title this year, which I think that you know all the marketers out there are going like, to throw up in their mouth when they hear this, but um, I was formerly the CEO and I was like, that is not resonating with me whatsoever anymore. So it's like, Zach, my husband, I'm like, you're the CEO, Lindsay's the CMO, Jessica's the COO. I am at the top of the org chart, but I am the untethered force of light, period. <laughs> That's my name. I am the untethered force of light. And all I know right. that sounds like a joke, but it's not. <laughs> I take it so seriously. That means that I am focused on writing, speaking, that my gifts are out in the world and that I am not blocking my gifts because I'm thinking about a subject line. And that's mm. what I'm, that's what I'm here to do. So thank mm. you.
2: Lindsay. I yeah, love it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think, I don't know, Jenna, if we wanted to really like start, if you wanted to kind of summarize what people can do after this or take from this, it's really sit and ask yourself if you're aligned with your own marketing.
1: Yeah. Mm, Yeah. How does it make you feel? Yes.
2: Yeah. How does your marketing make you feel when you sit and think about it, when you're removing the KPIs from it, when you're not thinking about how many units am I selling? What's my, uh, how many clicks am I getting on Facebook? Like when you take that part of it out and you think, do I like my own marketing? Would I buy my product without knowing it's my product? Yep.
0: I think also the asking, what is the untethered source of light in your company? Right. Cause it, maybe it's, you know, your product um, or, you know, whatever is connecting the source of light is whatever's connecting your customers, offering the transformation.
2: It's a fun activity when we just did our 2020 planning, like Gabby was talking about when we made this fun shift to the org chart, me coming in I said I needed to know the why, and not just the company mission. I needed to know everybody's why. I wanted to hear why everybody shows up every day for work, because I know it's not for a paycheck. These are incredibly talented people. Gabby has built a rockstar team. So why are you specifically showing up here? What do you think this company stands for? And I think when you have an open conversation about that, it informs so many things. And You really get to learn something about your team with those answers. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Beautiful. Well, we're reaching the end of the hour and I want to make sure we get to the last question. We ask every new guest on the podcast this question. And I'd I'd like to hear from both of you. If you could go back in time and tell your 25-year-old self anything at all, whether it's business-related or life-related, what would it be? Two things.
1: One, I would say you're safe. And number two, I would say, stick around for the miracles. Hmm.
2: I would say um, to my 25 year old self, it doesn't have to be such a struggle. Um, It really doesn't have to be such a struggle. And does your why line up with your actions? I think if I had asked myself those things, I think things would have been so different. Yeah.
1: We're kind of saying the same thing too. Take it easy.
0: Y'all, this was just magical. Thank you so much. <laughs> and yeah, Gabby, thank you so much for your time and Thank you. I'm so yeah, glad I got to do this. Me too. And Lindsay. Just always wonderful. Well, to everyone listening right here, right now, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your day. It means the world. We'll see you same time, same place next week. And Gabby and Lindsay, thank you so much.
1: Thank you.
0: you. All right. Bye, y'all.